Welcome back to another episode of the Creekside Podcast. Tune in each week with Drew and James to hear a relevant conversation about a biblical topic. Thanks for joining. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Creekside Podcast. My name is James. I'm Drew. And it's good to see you guys today. If you are watching this on YouTube, um, there's also a version where you can just go on our website at creeksidefellowship.com. Creeksidefellowship.tn.com. And then uh, you can listen to this while you're driving down the road or whatever you want to do. Um, and if you're just listening to this, there's also YouTube. So either way you want to go. We are talking about the Ten Commandments, and we are talking about their importance and their implication in today's world. Um, so we went last last time we went over the first one, which was have no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this week we're going to go over the second commandment. So are you ready to get started? I'm ready. I want to start with Acts chapter 17. Great. All right, so this is Paul, the, uh, the apostle. He is in the town of Athens in Greece, uh, and he goes into the middle of the Areopagus, which is like the marketplace, and this is what he says. He says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious, for as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and the boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. Yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. The times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Now when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, but others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. And I say all that because uh, last week we talked about, or last time we talked about the fact that we are to have no other gods before the one true God, the God of Israel. Uh, the second commandment is that we shall not make any graven image. Um, and I think that we um, that we we understand this this command, this this passage. Let me let me read the second command, the full thing. Um, you shall not make unto yourself any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down yourself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation of them that hate me and showing mercy unto thousands of them that love me and keep my commandments. So the second commandment um, is about the who we worship and about the how we worship. And it's about both of those things. And I think we get the who, not not the band. We get the who <laughs> question correct a lot of the time because we understand the first commandment. But I think the, the, the area this command is most applicable to us is in the how, that God has told us how he desires to be worshipped. Uh, so here in Exodus 20, 
we've come from uh, we've come from that that first commandment you shall have no other gods before me what that looks like is not making an idol of of any type uh, to represent or to image God himself. So Acts 17, where we just read with the, with the Apostle Paul, is an example of Paul confronting people who worship idols. They got idols everywhere. You know, they got idols in the marketplace. They got idols to this God and that God, and they've got an, even an idol to a God. They don't even know who that God is, but hey, we've got an idol to the unknown God. Paul is sitting there saying, like, hey, you, you don't you don't need to worship idols. Um, you can worship the one true God, and he looks like Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ is, you know, the one who died and who was risen from the dead. The resurrection is where we put our hope, not in these idols. Now, again, as I said last week, whenever we think about idolatry, very few of us are tempted to worship, uh, you know, a, a Buddhist, you know, imagination or a, Buddha, a Buddhist god or a Buddhist deity or, you know, something um, something in Hinduism or something like that. Few people who call themselves Christians, that is, are, are lured that direction. So what does the second commandment have to say to us, if anything? You got any thoughts? No, I'm just listening. <laughs> like everyone else. The, I, uh, I am so enticed right now. The, the, the golden calf. You recall that in Exodus 34? Yes. Exodus, I think it's about 34, somewhere in the 30s. Um, the golden calf is really an interesting uh, debacle. Um, if you recall in the book of Exodus, if you, if you haven't read read this portion of Exodus, I encourage you to do that. You see the second commandment where God says, do not make a graven image. Don't make an Im- image, image of any type. Um, don't make anything that's like the birds of the heaven or like the fish of the sea. And the idea there is that you would say, here is an image, and this is what God is like. Mm-hmm. Um, that you create a, you know, a, a giant sculpture of a giant fish, and to say this is what God is like, you know, uh, or a, of a bird of the air, and this is what God is like. Well, what did the people of Israel do? Uh, Moses goes up on the mountain, and after forty days, they say, "Hey, Moses isn't coming back. Aaron, make us make us some gods that we can worship." Because in Egypt, they were used to going and worshiping a statue or an image or some kind of thing that represented God. God explicitly tells them, do not do that. Do not worship an image or an idol, either an image of a different God or an image that you say represents me. So what do they do? They go and they create a golden calf. Now, when we think of a golden calf, we might think of... Um, cat, like cows and calves are domesticated, uh, you know, uh, what's the word? Livestock, livestock you know, in yeah. our uh, in our culture, we raise cows for milk or for meat or something like that. Uh, and in the in the Old Testament, that would have been the case too. But they also uh, an ox or a calf or a bull was like a um, a symbol of power. And so right. when they make this golden calf, they're not trying to create an image that is like puny or that is, like, weak or powerless. They're trying to create something uh, that's big and that's strong. They're trying to create something that demonstrates power to say our God is powerful. You know, the God that that delivered us from Egypt, he's a powerful being. And so they, Aaron creates this golden calf. It's funny, if you, if you read the text, you find that um, Moses does come back, after spoiler alert, after 40 <laughs> days, right, comes down off of the mountain, and sees these people worshiping this golden cow, and he says to Aaron, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. why Why is there, and Aaron says, I just took up all this gold and threw it in the fire, and poof, this cow popped, you know, this calf popped <laughs> out. It must have been this uh, incredible work of God that this cow kind of showed up. Um, here, here's the question. Where did the Israelites get the gold? You ever thought about that? 
I mean, they're, they're slaves in Egypt, you yeah. know? They're poor people. Where do they get the gold? I've always kind of wondered. I, I didn't know if maybe it was jewelry or... I don't know, but they're so, you know... They took it from the Egyptians when they left. They oh. plundered the Egyptians, you know? So they took, and I can't catch this, they took the riches, the wealth that God gave them, the spoils of war that God gave them from Egypt, and they took that, and they turned it into a golden calf, and they said, this is God. This, wow. is, who, this is the God who delivered us from out of Egypt. Now, who are they trying to worship? They're not trying to worship Baal. They're not trying to worship Pharaoh or Osiris or one of the Egyptian gods. They're trying to worship God. So they've got the who correct, you know? Mm-hmm. What's the problem? They've got the what wrong. Mm-hmm. We don't get to determine how we worship God. God gets to determine how we worship God. That's what, what's what we often talk about as the regulative principle, that we are not to worship God in any way that he has not commanded us to worship in his word. Um, so the Bible's very clear we are to worship God and to worship him alone, but that doesn't mean that anything goes. That doesn't mean that, hey, I can just do whatever I want to and right. say that it is worship of God. He has established times and patterns and, and places even that he desires for us to worship. You see this in the temple. Um, there are so many things that the people are to do when they come to worship the Lord, when they right. offer sacrifices, when they bring offerings. You read the book of Leviticus, and you read all of these things that people are to do. Now, we exist as New Covenant uh, Christians. We don't we don't live under the Old Covenant, and so a lot of that ceremonial law has passed away for us. Like That's no longer standing. But the Ten, the Ten Commandments still stand for us because they're an encapsulation of God's perfect moral law, and the Second Commandment still stands for us, meaning... We don't get to just do whatever we want to do and call it worship. So to give yeah. to give an, an analogy of sorts, this isn't a perfect analogy, but I think it makes sense. Um, you know, there's all the conversation about the, the five love languages, right? That mm. you've got, you know, physical touch or gift giving or acts of service or whatever it is, and and you know, there's all this psychology that hey, certain people give love in certain ways, like they like to do certain things, and other people like to receive love in certain ways. Like, I've got a friend that he's, like, just a great gift giver. Like, he's just so good. Again, he, he's really good at getting me really funny things that make me laugh, uh, and also really, like, things that I, I really do cherish, and so he's just a really excellent gift giver. I know it's me, but... <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that's my unnamed friend. Um <laughs> But I'm a horrible gift giver. Like my, it's it's always a joke. Like around Christmas time, I'll send out like a group text to my family and say, "Okay, tell me, send me the link for what you want on Amazon, exactly. and I'll have it delivered yes. to your house." Because they wrap it in a box and put exactly. you know put stuffing in it and all that sort of thing. Um, I'm a horrible gift giver, but. I, my, like I have this friend who's a really great gift giver, and I know I always try, and I always do a poor job because I'm not a great gift giver. But I always try to get him something really great. Okay, so like take that out, take that conversation, and apply that to like my wife. You know, it's really important that I do the things that my wife desires for me to do, so that she would know that I love her. You know, uh, so the and I think there's some wisdom in that. You know, if if you know I'm I'm doing all of the I'm buying my wife all of these expensive things. But she really wants like to go on a date, right? right? I'm I'm speaking the wrong kind of language to right. her. Okay, we get that, we understand that, and we'd say that's a good idea. You should do men generally. 
you should do what your wife wants to do from time to time, you know, to so, so that she knows mm-hmm. that you love her. You should tell her that she's beautiful. You should encourage her with, with affirming words. You know, you should buy her things. You should do acts of service for her, all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to God, we think that, hey, just, you know, God should just be pleased with whatever I, I want to bring to him, you know, whatever it is that I want to do. Um, but hey, and I hear this a lot, and this is the episode that's going to make everybody mad. <laughs> hey, I, I worship God, you know, at, out in the woods. You know, I, I don't need to come to church on Sunday because God is everywhere. And so I can go on a hike, and I can be out in the woods, and I can be just as close to God there as I would be in the church. Now, I love the woods. I love to be outside. I love to be in nature. God has revealed himself to us in nature. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I, sometimes there have been times where I have been in the woods on a Sunday, and I have not been able to get to church. I've been backpacking. I've been like out in the middle of nowhere, and there's not a church around anywhere. And mm-hmm. so like that's, you know, that's, that's part of it. But if every week you say, hey, I don't, I don't need to be with the church, I, I, I can just go out in the woods, or I feel God on the golf course. If you, if you say that, hang on a second, if you say that, not only are you guilty of the second commandment, you're also a liar, right? Because God is often not honored on the golf course, especially when I'm the one swinging the golf club, all right? Um, I'm horrible at golf. If you like golf, that's fine. But, you know, it, it's a really prominent thing that people say, oh, you know, hey, I'm gonna go, Sunday's my right. golf day, so I'm going to go and golf, all right? Um, what you have done, I don't know if you've realized this or not, but you've broken the second commandment. Mm-hmm. You have said, I get to determine the way I want to worship God. And you might be saying, hey, you have, you know, I didn't make an image, I didn't make an idol, and so I'm okay. Like, I didn't make an idol of something. Well, that's true. You haven't made an idol of something, but you've determined that you can worship God in the way that you desire to worship and not in the way that he commands that you be worshipped, right? So Hebrews 10, 24, and 25 says, Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some, but all the more encourage one another as you see the day drawing near. That's a, there's a very clear text in the Bible that says, Be with the people of God when they assemble together. And yeah. regularly, that's on the Lord's Day, on Sunday morning, you should be there to worship God. And it's not just that, hey, I was sick, and so I had to stay home from church, or hey, I was traveling and I wasn't able to make it to church, or some kind of excuse like that. And there might be good and reasonable excuses why you can't be. I had to work this particular Sunday, provide for my family. There might be good reasons why you shouldn't be at church on on a Sunday. Being in the woods and saying you're worshiping outside isn't one of them. Mm -hmm. Why? Because you are trying to worship God in a way that he hasn't commanded to be worshiped. Now, that being said, I, you know, on Saturdays, a lot of the time, I'll go outside and I'll go in the woods. I'll go, my wife and I went on a hike very recently. Um, is that worshiping God? Yeah, yes, yeah. there's a sense in which it is. In the fact that we say that all of life is worship. And I have a good friend of mine uh, who's, a, who's a local pastor, and he asked the question, you know, uh, can't, can't I change the diaper to the glory of God? Like, isn't that an act of worship when I care for a, a baby, you know, and I, I change their diaper? And I think all of us would say, yes, right. there's a sense in which that is. But I don't think we should have diaper changing, you know, in on a Sunday morning, like as a part of our worship. So we get there's some distinction that's that there. That changes but, worship but, leading to yeah, a whole new level. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that, there's there's some distinction that we want to be clear about. But God yeah. has said some things that are specifically to be done in the worship of of Himself that we are to do. 
as New Testament Christians primarily, we are to read the Bible together. We are to listen to the the teaching of the apostles, is what Acts chapter 2 says, which is the scriptures, right? Read, right. Listen to preaching, um, uh, hear from preaching. We are to observe communion together mm-hmm. as a church, observe the Lord's Supper, to see baptism together as a church. Um, we are to sing songs together. Did I already say that? I don't think you said We are to sing songs together about scripture, about God and to God. Outside of that, uh, I think we have a hard time saying that we can do this thing and it be worship of God, what we would call the, the regulative principle of, uh, of worship, that God actually regulates the way that we worship Him. Now, I know what's, what's, what's some, there's objections that mount up, all right? There's objections that mount up in our minds, and we say, that's just too restrictive. You know, I, I, need, I need to be able to express myself in the way that I desire. You know, if I, I just express myself better to the Lord if I do this thing rather than these things. And I just want to ask the question, like, does God desire you to express yourself that way to Him? Is, is that something that God has commanded us to do? Now, that's not to say God doesn't care about our emotions or our feelings. He is certainly a compassionate and a gracious God. But have you considered that the things that maybe you feel like you should be doing to worship God are things that God himself doesn't actually appreciate? So to give you an example, and then to tie it back into the images thing, uh, whenever, I was, whenever I was young, my parents took me and my, my brother to Disney World. Um, we were probably a little bit too young. Uh, at that, like there was that age, you know, if you, if you wait too long, you miss it. If you go too early, you wind up carrying your kids the whole time. My dad wound up carrying me the whole time uh, on his shoulders, which like the older I get, the more I realize like what a champ my dad was right. for carrying me around Disney World for a whole week. Um, but while we were there, they had a they had a cartoonist that would draw caricatures of of you. You know, it's super cool how they do that. And so I sat there in the chair and he drew this picture of me and my mom took it and I know we paid a lot of money for it. I don't know how much, but my mom took it and took it home and she put it on her mirror in her in her bedroom um, where she got ready in the morning. And uh, I I I walked by it one day and I looked at it and I looked at it and I thought, I don't like the way that makes me look. It makes me look silly or it makes me look stupid right and so i went and i took that picture and i ripped it up my mom found it later and she said why did you rip up this for her it's a memory of the time we went to disney world well why did you rip up this picture well and i told her i said well i thought it i thought it made me look bad i thought it made me look silly it, it presented me in a way that i didn't want to be presented mm. maybe we should consider that the ways we try to represent God are not always ways that he desires to be represented, specifically um, in, in terms of images or idols or, or pictures. So the Heidelberg Catechism here, again, I think is helpful to us. Um, what's required in the second commandment? That we may not make an image of God nor worship him in any other way than he has commanded in his word. And so what we're, to, we're, we're not to depict... God. We're not to draw a picture and to say, this is what God looks like. Um, because we're doing what uh, Paul said in Acts 17, we're not to do that. We create an image of what God looks like. And so I know it's really, and this always applies to pictures of Jesus. You know, people say, hey, should we draw a picture of Jesus? Uh, I want to be very clear, you should not use a picture of Jesus in worship. Like, you shouldn't, you should not have a picture of Jesus you know, projected onto the screen, or I know often we have that picture of Jesus, you know, he's got the white thing over his head, 
looks like a shepherd hung in the halls of our churches. I just don't think that's a particularly wise thing to do because I could bet you money, and I bet I would I would be able to cash out when we got to heaven, <laughs> that that's not what Jesus looked like. Like, whatever it is right. that the artist has conceived Jesus to look like is an artist's conception and not actually what Jesus looks like. Yeah. Okay, so let me just take us back to Acts 17 again and read that part again uh, where Paul talks about um, worshiping the one true God. Acts 17. Um, being then God's offspring, this is uh, chapter 17, verse 29, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the arts and imagination of man. The art and imagination of man is what the text says. So we just need to be really careful in how we think about these things. Um, I think we're all all in agreement with the first commandment, that yes, we should only worship the one God. And then we come to the second commandment, and we say, yes, we shouldn't make an idol. But then when it comes to not just the who we're worshiping, but the how we're worshiping, there's often a whole lot of consternation and a lot of, no, I, I I can do this. I can do what I think I need to do to worship God. And let, let's just be reminded, God makes the rules on how we worship him. We don't get to make the rules on how we worship God. And it's just like that love languages conversation, right? And again, that's not that's not a perfect analogy, right. um, but if I'm constantly doing something that my wife doesn't like and saying, no, you should like this because I'm doing it for you, who am I really trying to serve? Right. Or I'm really trying to serve myself because I like doing it. Yeah. Uh, and so in the same way, do we are we worshiping God because it's something God has commanded us to do? Or it's something we really like doing, and what I found in my own life, and this is—I mean, this is something that I've uh, wrestled with a lot, you know, through through a lot of different a lot of different things. What I've found is that the more I am willing to submit myself to the Lord and the things that the Lord loves, the more I find joy in doing those things yeah. rather than the things that God has, you know, that God has not commanded me to do. So, for example, I find so much more joy in being with the people of God on Sunday morning on a regular, consistent basis than I ever would hiking every Sunday, Yeah, you know? And again, I love to be out in the woods and I love to be outside, but that's not a substitute for being with the people of God on a Sunday or playing golf on a Sunday morning. That's not a substitute. As much fun as it is going out on the boat or going to the lake every weekend, you will shrivel up and die spiritually sooner or later if you're not with the people of God. And again, you might say, hey, that sounds really harsh. That sounds really difficult. And I just want to say, these, these, these are not rules I'm making up. Like These are not things that right. I'm just like, hey, I sat down and what are, what are ways I can oppress people with worship this week? No, this is what God has revealed himself uh, for us to be, that we should not make any image or we should not worship him any other way than he has commanded in his word. You got any thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I would like to clarify too that it's not so much of uh, the example of going out into the woods that sure. there's nothing wrong with that. Like you said, right. even you enjoy do that. doing that. Yeah, but it's doing that instead of that's right what he's commanded and and on a consistent basis. That's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just to clarify that because I don't want anyone to think that. Yeah, you can become legalistic to the point where you're like, oh, I'm not. Absolutely. You know, yeah. I, hey, uh, I can't go on. I heard this one guy on this podcast one time <laughs> on the internet, and everything on, on the internet's internet. true. Exactly. Um, that said, I can't go into the woods. And, and worship the Lord. No, yeah. absolutely you can. Yeah. You can't do that in place of what no. God has commanded you to do, yeah. right? Um, and like I said, we, we believe all of life is worship. You know, you can make a cup of coffee to the glory of God and drink a cup of coffee to the glory. That's you good. can make a meal to feed your family to the glory of God, like all those different kinds of things. All of life is lived for the glory of God. Right. And at the same time, he has commanded and uh, demanded that he be worshiped in a particular way yeah. with his people. And that worship is not to be 
via an idol and making say, hey, this is what God is like, or to be from something that's not commanded in right. the Scripture. And the Scripture has given us some, some pretty clear things that we are to do when we gather together, and we need to make certain that we do those things, yeah. not so that we can restrict all the other things, but so that we can actually enjoy what it means to be the people of God. The Heidelberg continues on here, uh, question 97. Must then we not make any image at all? He says, God may not and cannot be imaged in any way. As for creatures, though they may indeed be imaged, yet God forbids the making or keeping any likeness of them, either to worship them or by them serve himself. Okay, Uh so he says, yes, you can make pictures, right? Draw pictures of pretty birds, you know, draw pictures of... Uh, you know, of, of landscapes and stuff like that. Right. Don't say that's what God is like, or I'm going to worship God through this image or through this picture. And then question 98 falls on the heels of that. But may not pictures be tolerated in churches as books for the laity? And he says no. And his answer, his follow-up here is really good. For we should not be wiser than God, who will not have his people taught by dumb idols, but by the lively preaching of his word. This is a really common thing, uh, and again, this is the part that'll get all the hot takes. But in the uh, in the period before many people were literate, when the, when many people couldn't read, there was a a practice of creating stained glass windows yeah. that would tell the story of the passion of the Christ. Uh, and we, you know, and I think the intentions behind that are really, really good. Mm-hmm. But once again, um, that depiction is not what Jesus looked like. It's, it's, a, it's someone's conception or maybe a group of people's conception of what Jesus looked like. Okay, when Jesus tells the disciples to go and make disciples of all nations, what does he tell them to do? He does not say to draw pictures. He does not say to paint paintings. He says to preach the word. Um, to make disciples by teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. If Jesus wanted us to know what he looked like, and if knowing what Jesus looked like was essential for for the conversion of the lost, he would have stayed rather than ascending into heaven. And I just think that's a really important thing for us to consider and to understand. Uh, And it's not to, again, not to throw, not to throw, um, shade on on people who you know might disagree with me on this, um, to, but just to be clear that we need to think about what it means to worship God and make sure that we worship God in the right kind of way uh, and not in a way that that He doesn't desire, not in a way that does isn't pleasing to Him. Um, we know that uh, we, if you read the prophets. Um, you, you can read about how the people sing the, sing the right songs and they offer the right sacrifices and God stops up his ears because he doesn't want to hear it. They're worshiping in the right way, but they're worshiping with the wrong kind of heart. And so um, even worship that looks correct, if it's offered in the wrong kind of way, uh, is not pleasing to the Lord. We want to offer worship that's pleasing to the Lord. Now, again, what we should do here is not to say, man, this is oppressive. How could God say something like that? No, these are these are commands to be received because God has our best interests in mind, and our best interest is the true worship of Him. And I think this is interesting. This is one of the commands that you see broken immediately after the, the or at the oh, Mount yeah. Sinai uh, scenario. You know, uh, and it's not just that they were worshiping Baal through this image; they were worship they were trying to worship God through this particular image, uh, and in doing so broke the commandments that God had given them. So something to be mindful of. And again, just as I've broken the first commandment, 
I've right. broken the second commandment. And, the, and even though I haven't bowed down to an image or, you know, I haven't drawn a picture of Jesus and said, this is what Jesus looks like, right. you should bow down and worship him. Um, I've broken this commandment because so often I haven't worshiped with the right kind of heart. Uh, you know, I've worshipped with you know in, in a spirit of selfishness or spirit of self-interest, rather than doing what I'm doing for the sake of the Lord and for His glory. Absolutely. You got any closing thoughts on that? Yeah. No, I think you did a really good job explaining every bit of that. that well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Very but. thorough. <laughs> no, that's I wonderful. It. the The catechism is helpful here. You know, yeah. uh, I I'm I'm a Baptist in the Heidelberg. Catechism doesn't come out of the Baptist tradition, um, but it is really helpful just in these terms of knowing um, what 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 people before me have thought about these kinds of things. Yeah. Like I'm not the first person to read the Bible, and the Bible just didn't drop out of the sky yesterday. You know, yeah. we have a long tradition of people reading and interpreting the Scripture, and so we should we should be mindful of that before we just assume that what we're doing is is the right thing. And also to note, um, as far as Imaging Christ goes. Um, it's a it's a it's a fairly recent thing in the in, in a lot of Protestant traditions that that becomes a pretty widely mm-hmm. accepted phenomenon. And so let's just just be mindful of that, um, and not to say again your conscience uh, your conscience will will uh, inform you in certain ways, and you need to make sure your conscience is instructed by Scripture and yeah. not trying to go the other way around. And so right. um, just just be mindful of what, and maybe this is something you never considered and if this if the idea of, you know, of images ruffles your feathers a little bit, I just want to ask you why. Yeah. Why does that ruffle your feathers? Is it because it's something that you like or you cherish or because you something it's something that you know God has cherished. Yeah. Um, and I, I think that if you're willing to take yourself out of the equation you're able to see this this picture a little bit more clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Man, well, thank you so much for going through that with us. I, like I said last time, I'm so excited to hear about all the Ten Commandments because we have been taught it in, uh, you know, all the Sunday schools. Sure. And so it's uh, taking it from that level where we, we set it next to Jonah and the Well and mm-hmm. Noah's Ark um, and, and really saying, how does this work in today's world? Um, so thank you so much. Um, excited about being back here next time and we'll see you right here on the Greek Side Podcast.